0: This podcast is brought to you by Paul Simkins and the Boldly Lead program, focusing on helping tech leaders like you end the frustration of low-performing teams and losing high-quality employees so they can increase productivity by 50%, go home on time, and sleep better at nights. Hello and welcome to the Tech Leaders Toolbox. I'm Paul Simpkins, and we're here because how you lead today determines how your team succeeds tomorrow. And I want to remind you that you are definitely a leader. And remember that leaders grow by a commitment to become better each and every day. Yeah, A leader's primary focus is always on the team members as a group and as individuals. With that comes the constant struggle to keep up with changing rules and a changing workplace and a changing workforce. Today's guest is going to help you wade through all that so that you can meet those challenges and take care of your people. Are you ready? Let's go. I'm pleased to have with me today, Suzanne Lucas. She's a freelance writer who has spent 10 years in corporate human resources, where she hired, fired, managed the numbers, and double-checked with the lawyer. She calls herself the evil HR lady. However, I don't see any of that in her at all. And she also regularly writes for Inc Magazine and other publications. She speaks and writes about HR issues, business, and how to make your job and your company the best it can be. Suzanne, welcome. Thank you for having me. I always like to start off with, this is this is my thing, uh, I love hearing journeys, I think A journey tells us, our journey, our story tells us a lot about who we are. So tell us your journey. How did you get here? (laughs) Well,
1: uh, my journey kind of went in a roundabout fashion. Um, I think most people's do. I studied political science in college and in graduate school. And I was in a PhD program and I hated it. So I left after my master's degree. And you might guess, that there are not a lot of, you know, help wanted political scientists needed science. Yeah, never, never. And so um, I had to figure out what I wanted to do with my life because I'd planned to be a political science professor, but I just hated graduate school so much. And so I sat down and I said, why did I want to be a professor? What is it that I liked about that? And I realized that it was the teaching that I liked. It wasn't the research. It was the teaching that I liked. And um, so I said, well, what job can I do that involves teaching and training? And I thought, oh, I can do human resources. That does a lot of teaching and training. So I called a temp agency and I, I could type very fast. And this was in 1999 when typing was much more of a skill. People more had admins and i said i will do anything in an hr department and they placed me in an hr department for a little pharmaceutical company and i worked there for three months and then they placed me in a uh an hr department for a um credit union um, covering a maternity leave and i was there for three months so I had six months experience and then I landed a, a real job in HR. And to be honest, the reason why I got the job and my boss said this directly is because I was the only person that he could find that had any idea what HR did and could do statistics. So that was that uh, political science degree coming into play. Um, Cause you have to do statistics in, in political science. And, so that got me the job and that's how I started down my career path and it took me oh six or seven years before I finally did any training which is why I went into HR in the first place and um, I really liked it It, I was surprised um, it was kind of my dream career but I also loved writing and so I started this blog Evil HR Lady on the Side and I did it um, anonymously because I worked for a big pharmaceutical company and pharma is very conservative. And I thought for sure that people would freak out if they knew. And um, and then the writing thing grew from there. And we uh, my husband got a job in Switzerland and we moved. And I was going to take a year off to get the kids settled before I went back looking for a job. And I decided instead You know what? I really like this writing and about HR and the speaking and all of that, so I just decided to stay with it, and now here we are.
0: Right. So, so so I'm curious. You know, again, you from the story, you kind of fell into HR. I did. (laughs) Does and and it seems to be a common story. Does anybody like start off with "I want to be an HR person"? I mean,
1: you know, I think that nowadays they do. Um, You know, I don't recall back when i was in school anybody studying human resources i don't even know if it was a thing that you could study um you could study business and i'm sure there was hr classes i don't know i was in political science i was busy discussing politics and philosophy uh, because that was helpful (laughs) but um, now there's a lot of people that get degrees in it there's a lot of master's degree programs there's organizational behavior and you know if i had to do it over again um A master's degree in organizational behavior would have been a much better choice than a master's degree in political science. But there you go.
0: So why the moniker evil HR lady?
1: Because does anybody like human resources? Anybody outside of human resources like human resources? No, they don't. Um, And it's because two reasons. One, we're the bad guys. We're the ones that deliver the bad news. You know, no one ever calls you into a meeting with your manager in HR to say, hey, Paul, I just really wanted to let you know you're doing a great job and you're on track for that promotion. And I have Suzanne, the HR manager here, just, just because, I mean, that doesn't happen. You don't see HR as a regular employee unless you're in trouble. When you get called into right. your manager's office and there's the HR person sitting there, it's because you're being put on a pip, you're giving a final warning, um, or you're going to be fired. So mm-hmm. normal employees don't see the behind the work that we do. They just see the the bad side, and then we're the ones with the paperwork and the forms and all of the rules and um, kind of that, you know, school yard playground monitor thing. The other side of it is we have built ourselves a really bad reputation in some areas. Um, Hiring is one of them. And, um, you know, for years and years and years, the philosophy was, there's more candidates than there are jobs so we don't need to care about you we can treat you terribly we can Mm -hmm. ghost you um you know we can lie to you whatever and that was just starting to change as the economy was going really great and hiring was going great and companies were finally realizing that the candidate experience matters and then we have this pandemic and now Mm -hmm. um As of the last numbers I saw, we've had 10 million people file for unemployment. So I'm afraid that companies are going to go back down that path of, hey, we can treat candidates poorly. And that's that's an earned thing.
0: So you think some organizations will just kind of like, well, we were doing window dressing before, acknowledging that we had to to actually care about somebody. But now now we can go back to doing the things the way we were doing them.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's yeah. absolutely going to happen again. The The yeah. difference is, is that candidates. Aren't going to stand for it as much. I mean, your best candidates won't stand for it. People that are desperate. Mm-hmm. And right now there's going to be a lot of desperate people uh, be, will be willing to take whatever abuse, um, recruiters and hiring managers can mm-hmm. throw at them but as the economy improves and fingers crossed this is a temporary blip and everything is back to rosy shortly um
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's going to be people that that continue that when you're getting 100 200 300 applications for a job it's really easy to just see those as numbers and not as humans and right. we need to remember this is human
0: resources
1: -hmm. And uh, we can't treat people like that.
0: I hope. I see the same thing with with leadership that you know we'll be making progress with a leader in terms of emphasizing how they need to spend time caring for their employees and uh, empowering their employees and equipping them, and they'll get on board with that. And then, like when we had the last uh, recession, even the little mini recession we had in there, there was that immediate retreat for some managers retreating back into autocratic leadership retreat, retreating back into that hard line of um you know just basically hey just come in do what you're told and go and or you know and or i expect you to spend 80 hours a week here and things like that
1: right right and they totally discount the reason why you hired person in the first place you know we hired you because you have these knowledge skills and abilities that we need but then suddenly everybody becomes a brainless lackey and i have to tell you how to do everything and then it doesn't work as well and people don't understand why
0: right so yeah so hopefully you both have a challenge that ahead of us with battling that. (laughs) yep we both do yeah and it's interesting because you know you mentioned about employers typically ghosting candidates you know when when they don't fit the bill just kind of ignoring them completely and part of what i've seen is now hr managers and recruiters complaining that they're being ghosted by candidates absolutely and and they're outraged about it like how dare it you it makes me
1: laugh i mean for the record You should not ghost anyone, no matter what side of the hiring desk you're on. But it makes me laugh now because for so many years, that was the modus operandi of so many recruiters and hire managers. You would have people come in for five, six, seven rounds of interviews and then never hear from the company again. And emails Mm -hmm. went unanswered, phone calls went unreturned. Now, I get it when you have 300 people apply for a job. You're not expected to personally reach out to each one of those to say the position has been filled. But by golly, if someone comes in for an interview, you owe that person a response. And from the candidate side, if you go in for an interview, you owe the company a response as well. Nobody should mm-hmm. ghost, But boy, it makes me laugh that candidates are doing it now or if they were before this horrible pandemic. We'll
0: see. Yeah. And, and, and really, I mean, it, it needs it for most people, it should be a red flag that, you know, if, if you have to spend too much time chasing them down just to find out your status, how are they going to treat you when they actually employ you?
1: Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Why would I want to work for somebody that values my time so poorly? Um, And, but, companies think that that's the way to do it. And I think actually the term talent acquisition drives me insane because talent is something that's natural, that's inborn, right? And acquisition, you just go get. And so when we acquire talent, what we're doing is we're looking for people that have everything that we need right off the bat and I'm just gonna pluck them off the shelf. And if I don't want it, I'll put it back on the shelf and it shouldn't just be sitting there waiting for me until I wish to acquire it. Like I'm going shopping for milk or something. If I don't buy milk today, there's gonna be milk tomorrow. I'll just go get it then candidates are not like that. First of all, talent means nothing. I'm an extremely talented pianist. I know because I never practiced. And yet every week my piano teacher praised my efforts until I got to the point where I couldn't go further on my natural talent. And I'm a mediocre pianist today. I'm extremely talented, but I'm very mediocre at piano because I didn't practice it. I didn't work Mm -hmm. to build those skills. And so I want to make it clear that we're not acquiring talent. What we want to acquire is skills. And somebody that has Mm -hmm. far less piano playing talent than I do, it's going to be a far better pianist if they put in that effort that I didn't put in. So I really hate the term talent acquisition so much. There you go. That's my rant.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and along the same lines, I've often made the argument that, you know, so much they talk about hiring top talent and it's not so much talent. I think you hire for attitude, yeah. uh, you know, talent can be developed. Talent. Can, a lot of skills can be learned. Right. But harder to teach somebody is the right attitude to where they are. They have that teamwork attitude where they fit in with the rest of the team and work well with them and so forth. And and I'd much rather hire on attitude and character than I would on talent.
1: I would too. And there's just just about anybody can learn to do just about anything if they work hard at it. So does this person want to learn to do this job? And if they do, they can be trained to it. I mean, I'm not saying that you can hire Joe out of high school to be your vice president of customer (laughs) affairs, because the amount of training he needs to get to that point is years and years and years and years and years, but he can do it if he wants to. There's very few people out there that can't do it if they, if they really want to. And they have the support from this, from the um, companies, you really need to have the companies focusing on training and development instead of searching for those unicorns. They should be building their own. It's a lot cheaper too people think training is oh, really yeah. expensive but it's so much cheaper than recruiting recruiting is expensive especially at the higher levels if oh, yeah. you're hiring a headhunter
0: yeah what is it like two or three times what you're going to pay them? i don't know what something yeah.
1: i don't know it's ridiculous amounts of money um
0: oh yeah yeah and i've and what's with, with the old saying i've heard is you know if you think the cost of training them is high Think about what's the cost of not training them and keep, and they stay around. Exactly. <laughs>
1: That's exactly right. And they say, oh, but they might leave if I train them. Well, they might well, they might stay if you don't. And honestly, people don't like to look for jobs. Job hunting mm-hmm. sucks. It's a horrible oh, yeah. thing. And they will only look if you're not the ideal place to work. Make yourself the ideal place to work and invest in training.
0: Okay. Okay. With the changing environment we've got going on right now, uh, again, right now, everybody's at home having with COVID-19, you know, we're on, uh, I'm in the state of Florida and we're on a stay at home. It's not a, not a strict order, but it's a suggested stay at home order and, uh, and actually our local county actually instituted a curfew even. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, we won't go into all the constitutional uh, <laughs> I was
1: going to say, because the, the the disease spreads more late at night. I mean, yeah. okay, I'll shut up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and like they closed the boat ramps because they while well, they suggested everybody stay at home, but you could go out for essential activities and essential activities included like if you wanted to go boating or if you wanted to go hiking. Well, so everybody took that literally. And what they had was out at the local rivers and uh, the local boat ramps they had all these boat full of people all, all cluttered together, you know, saying, yeah, you're not getting the point people, (laughs) but but what are the potential HR red flags that a leader, leader needs to be aware of right now with this changing workplace and the, and the changes that are going on right now?
1: Well, first of all, right now is abnormal. There's nothing normal about this. And so for one thing, people working from home, Um, I love telecommuting. It's, it's been my thing for many, 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 many years. Um, but right now it's not normal. I mean, I'm an experienced telecommuter and I'm trying to work now with my kids and my kids are teenagers. So they're self-sufficient. They still wander in and out. They still make noise. Um, at the start of this, you asked me about the noise you could hear and it's the, my upstairs Mm -hmm. neighbor's kids practicing their piano, which they do all day every day and they don't have a lot of talent. Anyway, but they'll be better than I am because they practice all day every day. Um, I should go up and see if they're holding their fingers right. Um, So this is not normal. This is not a normal situation. And so any manager that expects the same level of performance out of their employees pre-COVID-19 and during COVID-19 is gonna find himself sorely disappointed Mm-hmm. And it's not because your employees are bad or that work at home people are lazy. It's just that it's different. People have their kids at home. People are stressed about their own health. They're stressed about the health of their parents or their grandparents. Um, they're stressed about their friends who have contracted this disease. They're stressed about the economy. Um they're trying to get everything done with face masks on. And um, it's just not normal. So my first thing for everybody right now is to take a deep breath and say, okay, we're going to allow everybody a little bit of latitude. Um, You know, normally, one of my big mantras for people that want to work at home is working at home doesn't mean you don't need a babysitter. You know, Child care is mandatory for people working at home. That we're that we're rid of that right now. You know, that's that's not a rule right now. Um mm-hmm. everybody that has kids has their kids at home now. Um another rule is that you know you need to make yourself available specific times or whatever. That's great if you can, but it's not always practical in this current environment. And we just really need to be flexible. Um to each other, to our co-workers, to our employees, to our bosses. There's just a really, this is a really big time for flexibility. And it's a really big time for learning new skills and for dealing with problems in a different way. Problems didn't go away because you sent everybody to work from home. Um, your sexual harassers are going to find a way to sexually harass their co-workers even though mm-hmm. they're not seeing them. And one of the things that I have noticed Um, This is with my HR hat on. As you see these funny videos going around the internet of people that leave their zoom on when they get up and they don't have pants on, or they take their phone to the bathroom. Ha ha ha. Isn't it funny? Some of them are making mistakes. Guaranteed. Some of those people are doing it on purpose because they're getting their jollies out of flashing their coworkers. Guaranteed that is happening. And Companies need to look out for that. I'm not saying we fire anybody that forgets um, that they're on camera because that's easy enough to do, but guaranteed, those are not all innocent. Those are not all innocent. And we need to look out for those. And when we have someone that says, you know what, I don't want to be on camera because my coworker is kind of leering at me. It's kind of creeping me out. Okay, let's do that. You know, that's a simple, a simple fix.
0: And I think when we were talking the other week, you mentioned as far as cameras go, you mentioned that there were even some employers that, because they wanted to keep tabs on their employees, insisted they had to have their webcam on all day.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a disaster that is. Um, And, you know, that assumes that everybody has a place that they can sit that's quiet, that's professional um, and that they can stay there the whole time. And that's not the case right now. Even forget the kids. Um, If you've got a spouse or a partner or a roommate or a pet or anything, um, you know, you're going to be sitting at the kitchen table and people are walking in and out of, of your view and of the view of your cameras. And holy smokes, let's look at the end product. This is so nitpicky, awful. it is such bad behavior it's if you're doing this as a manager, you are a bad manager. Hands down, you're a bad manager. If your employees are not doing any work, fire them there you go
0: yeah it, it comes down to that matter of trust is you know. It, Cause I, I emphasize that with leaders is, you know, leadership is all about trust. They've got to trust you. You've got to be able to trust them and, and uh, insist that their camera be on all the times so you can keep tabs on them is a strong signal. You don't trust them.
1: And it's a strong signal and, that you're too dumb to evaluate their work.
0: Right. Yeah. And if you don't trust them, why are they still working for right. you? Get rid of them. <laughs> or they get rid of them. Uh, And but along the same lines, too, they need to evaluate, oh, why do I not trust them? Do I not trust them because they've done something untrustworthy or simply because I have a story I tell myself that that all employees will be lazy if left to their own devices? Right. right. So in some of the articles that you've written online, you offered a perspective for leaders who worry about productivity in the work work at home environment. So what does a leader need to know about employees working from home?
1: Well, I wanna make it clear there's a difference between employees working from home when the world isn't ending and employees working from home right now. Because you should expect the same level of productivity from employees working from home that you do from employees working in an office. And actually studies show you can expect generally higher um, productivity from employees working at home. If they want to work at home, not everybody wants to work at home, and that's become very clear in this crisis. There's a lot of people that are like, I can't wait to get back to the office. So that's we're talking about now. You need to lower your expectations for productivity, and you need to raise your level of compassion right now. This is not easy for anybody. There's nobody in the world right now who is like free of worry and concern. Nobody, the whole world, we're all together, yay! (laughs) We're all united in this cause. So chill out a little bit, offer the support that you can, ask your employees what they can do and what they can't do, Um, and try to work together. And some jobs translate really well into working from home and some some don't. You know, my brother is a high school teacher and they had to switch, you know, overnight from classroom to online. And he got the nastiest letters from parents saying, you know, well, you're just, you know, doing nothing. And and, you know, you think that spending 40 minutes a week while my kid does these work. And he's like, I'm working 12 hours a day um, while trying to help my own kids with their schoolwork and uh, his wife is also works in the school and um, he's at high school and she's in an elementary school and so between the two of them they're trying to do teaching their students at the same time they're helping their kids, and he's like I'm working 12 hour days 16 hour days and you're yelling at me because I'm not doing enough for my kid we can't see the behind the scenes work going on from a lot of people yeah. a lot of jobs have really just switched and education is a big example of this and I'm telling you right now you can quote me on this that um, this is forever and it ever will make a change um, in
0: how and how companies work so what's one tip or one thing a leader can do or apply today to add value to their team
1: one thing that an uh, a leader can do today to add value is to listen, listen to what people need, um, and be willing to make changes to meet those needs. And that's your customers and your employees. Listen to both.
0: Suzanne, thank you for your time today.
1: You are welcome. I'm sorry about my child. See, I told you this is not normal.
0: Well, again, if I if if I didn't have the dog occupied in the other room, if I had the dog in the room with me, that'd be an issue. But uh, uh, everybody else is off somewhere. While you're here, take a moment right now to go ahead and subscribe to the Tech Leaders Toolbox podcast. You'll find the button to subscribe right here on the page. Do that, and you'll always be up to date on the bold and innovative leadership principles we're sharing here. Oh, and come join the Tech Leaders Toolbox Facebook group as well where we'll all discuss these concepts in more detail and answer your questions. So subscribe today and share this with your friends. All right. Well, as normal, this is a part of the show where uh, I like to share because I love outdoor cooking of every kind. I I love I have a smoker. I have a grill. uh, I have Dutch ovens galore. And uh, having been a scout leader for many, many years, and I love to camp. So I do cooking over open fire and all that. And so I like to share an outdoor cooking recipe with my friends. And, and by the way, I have a Facebook group called Smoke and Ash. And I invite you to come out there and out there, me and my friends, we're sharing all kinds of outdoor cooking recipes and ideas. And of course, a lot of them are into gimmicks and toys, and they'll share the latest gimmick or toy that they've discovered as well, you know, automatic lighters and things like that. So so it's a fun little group called Smoke and Ash, and you can find it out there in uh, Facebook. And again, come join us out there. All the recipes I share on the show, I post out there as well. And the recipe I wanted to share with you today, this is a, I I wanted to, lately I've been sharing recipes since everybody has the kids at home. I wanted to share recipes that are kid friendly. They're easy for kids to make if they want to be part of it, but also kids will really love them. And this one, I think adults love them too. Uh, One of the times when I did this with our scouting group, with all the parents involved and everything else, we ended up doing this for like an hour and a half making this dessert. And it's called, uh, I actually originally got this off of a a show online show called campfire cooking. And they called it one thing and I call it darn goods because that was one of the things when we made them, somebody said, these are darn good. So that's what we call them as darn goods. So here's what you need in order to do the darn goods. You need some wonton skins, which you can buy in the produce section. They come in a package the wonton skins, you need bananas, ripe bananas or or strawberries. You can use either ones. Uh, I like to use the bananas. They come out pretty good that way. And you need chocolate chips. Uh, You can use the mini morsel chocolate chips if you want, or other kinds of chips. If you don't like chocolate chips, Uh, chocolate syrup is an option for this and powdered sugar. And then you're also going to need some canola oil or peanut oil. Now, to cook it, you need either a uh, a skillet or a, or a pot that you're going to use. I usually, again, will use a cast iron skillet or a cast iron uh, Dutch oven that can go over top of a, a fire. And you'll need a steel slotted spoon, and you're going to need some paper towels for this. So what you do is you put about an inch or two of oil in the pot, and you're going to heat that up to a medium-high heat. And then you're gonna take your bananas, your prep work, you wanna take your bananas and slice them into like half inch slices uh, going across. So there you make a little disc out of them basically. Uh, with the strawberries, you're gonna halve them or quarter them. Now you take your wonton skin, put it on a clean dry surface, dip your finger in a little bit of water, and then just basically trace your finger around the perimeter of the wonton skin. Place your fruit slice in the middle of the wonton, add some of the chocolate chips, and then bring up the corners of the wonton. And the reason we wet the edges is you can now seal that together. You're basically going to make a little teardrop out of it, but it needs to be sealed. So you want to make sure you squeeze those edges together and seal it. Then once your oil is ready, you're going to drop those one at a time into the oil. Don't crowd it. So only do about maybe four or five at a time. You're going to drop them into the oil, let them fry for about one minute. The outside will start turning brown. Take your slotted spoon and dip them out and then put them on a paper towel to dry. Uh, Once they've dried for a minute or two, you can then take your chocolate syrup and drizzle the chocolate syrup over top of them. Or again, you can take the powdered sugar and just sprinkle powdered sugar all over them. And then they're ready to go. Ready to eat. What happens is the chocolate melts inside with the fruit, the fruit softens a little bit, and you have that crispy outside of the wonton skin, and they are delicious. And again, they're addictive. You'll end up making a lot of them because people just love them and keep eating them up. And again, this is something fun you can do with the kids. Try different kinds of chips, let them mix and match, and try different things and different combinations. And it'll be a lot of fun to do that. It's called Darn Goods. And again, I have that recipe out on the uh, Smoke and Ash Facebook group. So if you want to learn how to do that, just go out there and download it from there. All right. So today we talked about some of the common issues you're going to run into in this new work environment and some of the common things that our guest, Suzanne Lucas, runs into as the evil HR lady. Uh, and some ways in which you can be more effective even in this changing environment and changing workforce. So, Suzanne, before we go, uh, what are you working on right now?
1: I have coming out the start of a new series of, of I want to call them books, but they're smaller than books. They're more like big pamphlets, um, which are going to be the Evil HR Ladies' Guide to a Variety of Different Things. So start to look for those. They should be coming out shortly.
0: Now, where are they going to find They that? will
1: find that at my website, evilhrlady.org. And if you forget, just Google evilhrlady. HR Lady. I will pop right up.
0: Great. Thank you. So one last thing, folks, is don't forget to also subscribe to our podcast here. And we also have a Facebook group that goes along with this called the Tech Leaders Toolbox where we can continue the discussions of what we talk about in our episodes. And if you have any questions related to anything that we talk about, that's the place to head out as well. Again, that's the Tech Leaders Toolbox Facebook group. Head out there. And if you have any questions directly for me or if you wanna share a recipe with me, just send an email to tltoolbox at boldlylead.com. That's tltoolbox at boldlylead.com. Dot .com That's it for today. Go on out and be the leader you were meant to be.